Hi, I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Nick Jimenez in the news. And we're from Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the entire Back to the Future trilogy one minute at a time. Like the minute when Principal Strickland becomes a vigilante hero of the wasteland after Biff takes over Hill Valley in the alternate 1985 timeline. I I don't... Wait, I don't I don't remember. Or that. the minute where we learn that Dr. Emmett Brown is secretly the saxophone king of Hill Valley. Hold on. When when did that or when did that happen? When we slowly start to realize that George McFly may have murdered both of his parents. Okay. Now I don't I don't remember that being in the movies. Well, Scott, that's because none of those things are actually in the movies, but it's all stuff that we talk about on Back to the Future Minute. Back to the Future Minute, available at DuelingGenre.com and wherever you get your podcasts. Dueling Genre. Welcome to Lord of the Rings Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie The Fellowship of the Ring, one new devilry at a time. I'm Cassandra Fredrickson. I'm Norman Mitchell. And joining us again, or not again, joining us today, it's hard to get out of that habit, is (laughs) Tom Taylor and Jerry Porter from Indiana Jones Minute. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Good. Good. And so today we're going to be talking about Minute 142 which starts with the Fellowship still surrounded by orcs and ends with Gandalf saying, a Balrog, a demon. And we'll get the rest of that line tomorrow. Yeah. So whenever I think of Moria orcs, I think of that one gross face one, and that is <laughs> in this minute. The oh, kind of Gollumish one? Yeah. Oh, you mean yeah. the one, the one gross one? <laughs> yeah, the one well, really gross one. That York. Yeah, no, all the other you. ones are passable. <laughs> <laughs> Not the hot ones. <laughs> no, but I, I know the guy you mean. That guy, I, I have my note here is that he this this minute has my favorite scariest orc. That guy's yeah, crazy. Yeah, like the tennis ball eyes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Which, it's just a just a very not so fancy uh, digital eye enlargement, mm. and they his facial prosthetic was built with very large spaces so that they could go in and do it without messing with the face. That's oh, cool. really? Oh, yeah. wow. That's cool. So they didn't stretch anything? Right. No, none of the prosthetic is stretched or altered digitally. Just an eye enlargement is how they did that. Wow. Well, now, That's are these of... just, are these, these are goblins, right? Oh, true. Uh, in the context of this movie, I mean, at in least. The, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it gets sort of like a orc light. Yeah. Yeah. Right. These are a little smaller, more scraggly. Yeah. Sure. Technically, technically, orcs and goblins are the same race in Middle-earth, though that wasn't true at the time he wrote The Hobbit. He later decided that there wasn't really a difference between goblins and orcs. Sure. Uh, well, so the word gets used interchangeably a lot right. in Lord of the Rings, but yes, for the most part, oh, I, mean, I kind of consider them to be different, especially as far as the movie's concerned, because these guys look much... Uh, gaunter and smaller than all the other orcs we see. Yeah, they're like petite orcs. <laughs> they're also the only ones we see Spider-Manning around walls. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. See, wily. I think that's that's probably like a well. First of all, they're out of the light all the time, so they're probably malnourished. 
They probably don't have enough like vitamin D. <laughs> so they so they they can't grow to a larger stature that maybe of of you'd see like I don't know like your outdoor orc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, suburban I mean, the, orc. Uh, in, the, in the books, there's actually a handful of orcs from Mordor here as well. Oh, just oh. hanging out. Oh, we're yeah. in trouble. Like, just have been sent here to kind of like survey these orcs because they know the fellowship might wind up going through Moria. It's an exchange program. <laughs> you I wonder, mean, there's some some sort of tension there, you know? There are Mordor like orcs the... and Isengard, so right. presumably Saruman has sent some Mordor orcs out here to Moria as well. How did they get in? Through the other side. Oh. Because the other side is all open. Right, right, right. right. It's just an open entrance. Kind of looks like there's a some sort of entrance in the ceiling that we see. Yeah. I mean, or at least the Mines of Moria are... Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's like four stories or eight mm-hmm. stories or something. I I, I I actually have one note, just pretty much one note on my page okay. here. And, and, and I'm just going to jump in because you guys are already there. Is this a co-ed goblin army? Like, are there are there both male and female goblins in the ranks here? I would assume. I would assume so. so. To my knowledge, uh, there hasn't really there, been much like, of a. Are there a, lady orcs? Do they have? Like, I mean, there has to be. That's dresses. what I'm trying to think of. I mean, yeah. not all orcs are born like the Urukai, I Ugh. presume. Yeah, that's true. But and so, orcs like, come I, from tortured elves originally, but right. Then... Although Tolkien changed his mind several times about that too. Ah, okay. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. He uh, his original writing is about them being captured and twisted elves. And then later he decided that they would be men instead. And then later he decided that they were some more bestial creation of Melkor instead of being a corruption of the creation of Iluvatar. Hmm. So he has a lot of different different thoughts on yeah. where orcs come from. Well, and, and you guys mentioned just at the very beginning here, uh, you know, that one really ugly orc. Mm-hmm. That one, and and I... I I was wondering, I mean, what makes an orc or a goblin attractive to another orc or goblin? <laughs> like, so, and and is it, if it is like a, a mixed gender <clears throat> army here, is that an issue? Like, do you think they have problems where, you know, the male ones are, you know, kind of inappropriate? Hey, did you see that new tenderfoot Barbara? She's <laughs> <laughs> really something with that war hammer. I like this is your one note. Your one it's my one note. <laughs> no. you, know, you know that that one that one goblin we see real close. I don't know. One might argue that those are a bit more feminine features than some of the other orcs we see. I was wondering. I started to think about that as we're t- talking about this. I'm like, oh, it's got kind of Betty Davis size. Uh, I don't know. Right? Oh come on! No, don't that's, lie. That's, that's your her one war note cry. The orc with Betty Davis eyes. True. <laughs> Here you go. Sorry, Betty Davis. I see it. I see that it. That sounds like a, like a rock ballad or something. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a, Betty Davis eyes was a was a pop song in the eighties. Oh, 80s. really? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Nice. Kim Carnes. So, that's right. It was a pretty big hit. Sure. That was a huge hit. Now everybody has it stuck in their head. Yeah, everybody. And, and I think it, it was one of the first songs to actually use the snare. The what? Zenair, which was one of those like electronic drum things, basically. Oh, oh like a drum kit. Yeah, yeah that that weird. <laughs> psh, psh, you know, it's kind of a signature of the song. Yeah. Huh. 
Well, uh, speaking that... of John Reese Davies, <laughs> <laughs> every time I see him, this is I'm, I I love behind the scenes stuff, but I also kind of hate behind the scenes stuff because it always sort of like shapes how you see the movie after that, after you find out what was going on. Like watching all the extensive, massive, like extra stuff on the DVDs from, you know, like whatever, 10 years ago or something. There's a lot of stuff about how John Reese Davis was like kind of on his own a little bit during the making of this because all since he was a short you know he wasn't like playing against the actual actors and stuff because he was they, they had to fill his stuff in later because he's like a dwarf yeah and and so like he didn't get to like hang out with everybody so every time i see him in the movie i'm like oh you didn't have as much fun as like the other guys you get to <laughs> yeah. hang out with aragorn and everybody that's kind of too bad I mean, there there are a lot of shots where he's with uh, Orlando and Vigo on set, but he's like standing in a hole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just hope he had a nice time. That's all. Yeah. I know. Yeah, I'm sure he did. He just seems like a jolly fellow. I always feel bad because yeah. like he reacted so poorly to the makeup and everything. So, you know, he was miserable and just trying, yeah. to, trying to tough it out for the sake of everybody else. There you go. That's so sad. <laughs> Right. No, uh, I love the uh, I actually really love the design of the Moria orcs here. These mm -hmm. goblins. The uh, our friend Richard Taylor <laughs> talks about our dear friend Richard Taylor <laughs> talks about how their design is supposed to be reminiscent, reminiscent of like sea creatures, like their helmet is supposed to be like an angler fish. And between their sword and their oh. shield and the way they kind of roll up on people is supposed to be like a crab. Oh, I can oh, wow. see that. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's if we're going with the angler fish thing. Um, aren't like the the lady anglerfish bigger and badder and meaner than the late the the dude anglerfish? Yeah. So maybe the ones with the helmets are the ladies, and maybe the ones oh. with the swords and shields are like the 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 dudes because they look like, like a, a fiddler, fiddler crab. crab. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like where you're going with this. Yeah. My coed coed goblin orc army. <laughs> you know. Yeah, man. There we Mordor go. Mordor is We're an equal opportunity out. employer. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very progressive. <laughs> when you're when you're building an evil army, what choice do you have but to right. press gang wherever you can? Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, this... Oh, go ahead. Oh, um, I was gonna talk just real quick about the sound for the orcs and goblins too. Mm. Uh they recorded a lot of like grasshoppers and crickets and crabs yes. moving, and then they uh... kinda echoed it. And played around with it to kind of get the sound of them moving and scuttling. Yeah. Wow, that works. That's I crazy. You were talking about the shrieks that they made. And well, no, like, we already found out that those are possums. Like grasshoppers. <laughs> <don't sh> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. So like the 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 sound of them moving is like chains, but also like the movement of like bugs, like grasshoppers and crickets, yeah. and like the chirping of crickets and stuff to kind of make some of the movement noises and right. some of the ambient noise of the army, mm -hmm. and then whenever they get stabbed the shrieking is like a possum mm. <laughs> it's a it's a wow. real like as they're encircling the fellowship here um about to attack you know it's 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 um you know it's a it's it reminded me of like banshees like screaming banshees mm -hmm. you know yeah we're supposed to get the feel of like cockroaches oh yeah out of yeah. like the way that they move and surround and kind of their fear of light kind of deal mm -hmm. well and what i love about it is as we talked about uh, maybe a minute right before this one that as they descend from what looks like a hole in the ceiling yeah. or or mm -hmm. who even knows where they come from 
but it, we just know it's super creepy. Yeah. Yes. And, and there's I just love like thousands it. of them. Yeah, and there, there's sort of like an evolutionary component to it where you're like, okay, well, these guys have been in a cave, so I don't know what's going on, but somehow they learn to scale, you know, mine walls really well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. don't know if that's true about, like I said, the, the, the ones that might live in the forest or... You know, maybe if there's some by the, like, uh, maybe that live by the seaside, they may have <laughs> different different evolutionary features, but... I'm just picturing mer-orcs now. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about orcs? sexy. Yeah. <laughs> right. The sailor hears the beautiful song of the mermaid, and then it's it's an orc. <laughs> just an orc from the waist up. Psych. <laughs> There's nothing but nothing but possums on that first date. <laughs> yeah, so stab some possums. I also I love the the kind of Gimli joke that's in this minute as well. The way he like screams at all the orcs, yeah. and then we hear the the drum beat of the Balrog, and they all scatter. Mm-hmm. And then Gimli kind of laughs to himself. <laughs> right. I gave him my war cry. That got him. <laughs> Look, I scared off 5,000 orcs. Aren't I a real, right. Still got I a it. real bad dwarf? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm, I was thinking about this because, I mean, the irony here is that without the Balrog, I mean, it would be curtains for the Fellowship. Right. Mm. Like the movie's <laughs> over. It's kind of true. Yeah, the movie's over. Everybody, everybody's dead, felled by a co-ed goblin army. <laughs> I mean, even if Aragorn and Boromir can each kill like a hundred of these things, and Legolas might kill that many too, right? They're they're still overrun. They're well, just, Legolas yeah. also only has however many like arrows he has. He's got knives. Yeah. Oh, that's true. He's got some some fancy knife work. Yeah. They'll get in there real close and dirty. But they are like yeah. surrounded. They are surrounded. Like the hobbits are just toast. Right. No matter what happens here, they might right. stab one and then they're just gone. I mean, Gandalf might be able to kill half this army himself. Right. But- he just lights them on fire. Yeah. yeah. You know, you, you mentioned that about Legolas. Does he have like one of those loaves in the fishes type quivers? <laughs> Where it's just he has as many arrows as he needs. Yeah. Because where does he get all of his arrows throughout the, the movie? He must just make them. He just makes more and fills the quiver up whenever we're not looking. Or he, he retrieves like, them. Loots the body. Yeah. I was going to say, yeah. They... Time when the, with the troll fallen. That, that's true. They cut out the the half hour of him just. Well, wait up, guys! I gotta get my arrows. <laughs> this one's right. stuck in this guy's rib cage. Hang on. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I get it. It's kind of his superpower a little bit as an archer, as a you know a professional mm-hmm. archer. But I, I did like wonder. Any movie with guns. Where do they ever? Where do they get all these bullets? Right. <laughs> right. Right. They never really show him reaching back. Like I got. Oh. Oh. <laughs> He's reaching back <laughs> in his quiver. I, I feel like there is one of those moments somewhere in these movies. I was thinking of that too. Yeah, I feel like I've seen that, but I can't think of when it is. Is that the is that the one? Is it the second or third one where he like he like skateboards down the oh the second the wall? (laughs) Did you mean the greatest thing ever put on cinema? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's better than him jumping off falling rocks in in in, the hop yeah in the third hop. Oh right, it's okay. Still, though, the way that elves break physics. Legolas just is a, a magical anomaly because, you know, he can walk on snow. He has endless amounts of arrows. He can defy gravity, basically. So you know, elves know. are magic. It's yeah. Fine. yeah. They're dreamy. He's elves good looking, magic too. 
He's yeah. got he's got the he's got the you know he's he's a good looking dude. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> I also love that for some reason Boromir picked up that torch that Aragorn threw on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's just running with it. Yeah. <laughs> but it looks like a different torch. But the orcs didn't have torches. Right? <laughs> like, where did this... Oh, yeah. This one has, like, metalwork around the flame. Mm -hmm. But the one that Aragorn threw on the ground is just, just, like, like cloth stick. wrapped yeah. around a stick. It's just... Yeah, Boromir, where'd you get that? <laughs> just pulls it out. He's like, I got this, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say, I love Sean Bean, and I love Boromir, and I, uh... I read I read the entire series like when they announced that they were making the the movies. I was like, you know what? I I should these are this is Lord of the Rings. I've never read it. I really should read the books before I see the movies because the books are the thing, mm -hmm. and that'll be cooler. I'll be able to like lord it over people. Oh, well, actually, in the books they do this and stuff. But uh, I was reading the books and I heard that they cast uh, Sean Bean. I was like. Uh, they might totally be missing the entire point of this. Like. It, the idea of Sean Bean made me think like, oh, like Boromir is just going to be a jerk. He's just going to be a villain. Mm -hmm. Like he's just going to be a straight up bad guy when I love Boromir. Boromir is so great. And like, yes, he's like, you know, he's, he's kind of skirts the edge sometimes and stuff. And and it's kind of a question sometimes whether he's going to be a good guy or a bad guy. But he's so awesome. And then when I saw the movie, I was greatly relieved that uh, they I, I think they treated him just right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of good nuance in Boromir in this movie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think they nailed it. So that was a relief. Well, it's it's uh, character arc wise, it's some of the the best done stuff in this movie, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, I agree. I mean, there's so much depth to it. Yeah, and everyone mm -hmm. else is kind of not surface, but not as deep. I would argue because there's no time. There's no time yeah. in this movie because yeah. there's nine main characters. Whereas <laughs> right. for for everybody else, you have three movies to kind of go through their right. narrative arc and like build everything. But with Boromir, it's like we have this one movie and we just we just got to get it all in here and then yeah. get it done. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we get a little bit more of Boromir and some flashbacks in the third movie. Mm -hmm. But for for the most part, he's all right here. So they really have to kind of get it together. And I love mm -hmm. how when Boromir whispers in Gandalf's ear, like, what new devilry is this? Yeah. Uh, you can see the beginnings of the terrified look we're going to see from Legolas tomorrow yeah. <laughs> like he, he's trembling holding his bow yeah, yeah he doesn't know where to point it he doesn't know what's so happening there's there's fire coming at us what is this <laughs> and gandalf it's just loud. like closes his eyes and meditates and like thinks about what's happening here yeah and, do you think like in this moment is gandalf like uh this is it this is my obi-wan <laughs> kenobi moment this is there's i think yeah. that's a ball rug and i think i'm not getting out of this and uh this sucks <laughs> yeah, I, I I really do think that's what's going on because I've always read this whole scenario of Gandalf going into Moria as him kind of knowing he was going to die here mm -hmm. because he knows he's going to be reborn somewhere along the way. Yeah, that's interesting. It's like, it's I, also it's also interesting that he very specifically wants the ring bearer to decide whether or not mm -hmm. they're going to enter the mines you know because if if it if he is worried about his own fate here you know he 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 kind of just zen like leaves it up to someone else right Fro frodo you know he's like well whatever you want well i mean <laughs> because it's it's frodo's journey and everyone else is here to support frodo even though yeah. gandalf is really kind of he's the dude in charge because he's the one that knows everything right so everyone's but just like, what do we do, is, Gandalf? 
if 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 he is really upset that they just ran into the the Balrog, like I said, I mean, if if the Balrog didn't show up, everybody's dead. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, it's kind of like, well, I guess the Balrog's better than <laughs> than this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least a lot of us will make it. Because <laughs> yep. I think that this moment is supposed to be a little bit of a call to what happens in the book where there's kind of this feeling out of power between the Balrog and Gandalf over a spell where mm. he's holding a door shut. Yeah. And I think that this like moment where Gandalf looks like he's kind of retreating into himself a little bit might supposed to be like a call to that from the book. Oh, sure. Like it's a, like a battle of wills before yeah. the actual battle happens. Because the, the Balrog is an uncloaked, full full in its power, Maiar spirit. And Gandalf isn't, but he still has, like, he still is a Maiar. They can kind of reach out and feel each other with their power. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what this is. is. Like, Gandalf is like, I'm pretty sure I know what this is. I'm going to take a breath. <laughs> we're going to we're gonna extend a, a spiritual hand. And that burns. Okay. <laughs> I know what's, <laughs> right, I know what's right. going on here. <laughs> and the Balrog feels Gandalf, and it's just like, oh. I'm going to kill that. <laughs> right. You know what I noticed for the first time watching it for this? Uh, and I've seen this movie dozens of times, but he says it's a Balrog. And mm-hmm. I, I I wish I could say Balrog the way he does it, the way Gandalf says it, but I'll never be able to do a it. Balrog. Yeah. Balrog. But he, uh, <laughs> that was almost pretty good. But I always thought it was the Balrog. Like, I thought it was like, this is the Balrog. But I guess there are like, there's more than one of these guys, like in other parts of the yeah. world or something. Uh, this one is left over. And we're not exactly sure where from, uh, but this guy is left over from some time in the first age, because mm. Bal- Balrogs were uh, Melkor's, the Sauron's boss. His most powerful soldiers were Balrogs, and there's oh, wow. one named one, and there was a few others, and they were like lieutenants in his army that led whole other battalions. Yeah, because they are some of the most powerful spirits in Middle Earth during the first age. Wow. What's interesting is that they they fight with like words and grunts and fire. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like that's I mean that's I'm, I'm not getting too far ahead but you know Gandalf basically says something and that's his that's his uh you know that's his attack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I have a lot to say about what Gandalf says to the Balrog that I'm really going to say for when that moment happens. Sure, sure. Because uh, it has a lot to do with some of the more metaphysical stuff that's going on. Sure. Because Uh, they're, it's like, they're declaring. Yeah, he's declaring, they're declaring kind of things about each other in that moment. Ah. Uh, Which is, uh, which is a really interesting thing that is a a lot more about some of the histories of Middle-earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which uh, I'm kind of excited to get into. The Balrog is really cool. Yeah, because it's he like is thousands really cool. of years old. Yeah, it is. It is thousands and thousands. It's, I mean, it's as old as Gandalf is. It's from the creation of the universe. Right. Because hmm. um, Gandalf is also a Maiar spirit. They're, they're both one of the Ainur. It's possible that this Balrog knew Gandalf before anything happened with Middle-earth. And that's an interesting thing to think about. <laughs> yeah, so totally. Crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> Uh, because uh, Gandalf's Gandalf's real name is, uh, if I remember correctly, Aloran, hmm. which is his his Maiar name. 
And he doesn't necessarily have access to all the same memories and powers that his Maiar spirit does right. until he becomes Gandalf the White. Because hmm. he levels up. Right. He levels up. <laughs> <laughs> he gains enough experience from killing the Balrog. Right, that, right. <laughs> you know, he gets to his... He finally hits epic level. Right. He ascends. <laughs> I, you know, what do you guys think the square footage is of the Mines of Moria? Millions. <laughs> I mean, I was watching yeah. it, and all all I could think of is, why did dwarves need so much headroom? <laughs> well, like they, they, they talk about the, the 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 Great Hall, right? It's the Great Hall, right? Yeah. And so you're like, well, how? I mean, how high is the ceiling in that place? It's like, yeah, I don't know. Fi- I mean, you, I don't know, five hundred feet, three hundred feet. But was that all like just straight up architecture, or was that like the space created by their mining and stuff? Like, right, you know. it's supposed to be like the safe stuff, the uh, the space created by their mining. Like, mm-hmm. they dig out the mountain, and because they're dwarves, they need to keep the support. They leave all the columns, and then because they're like, oh, hey, well, we're gonna live in this area, so. We're going to make the columns kind of pretty. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, so it was that, that's this it. Is one of several great halls that are just like this in Moria. Mm-hmm. There's more than one of these. That's crazy. They've, right. they've hauled so out the entire yeah, mountain. It wasn't, it wasn't really entire. It didn't start out by design. They started out mining and then they said, you know what? We should work in a beautiful area. Right. Yeah. Because yeah. it starts off as just a dwarven mine. And then the right. elves kind of get involved because everybody wants Mithril. And then the dwarves and the elves work together to, like, make Moria pretty and establish it as, like, a big trading hub for this part of Middle-earth. It's like a, it's like a dwarf work feng shui. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With, like, the nice shafts of light coming beautiful. in from up above. Yeah, it, is, it is very beautiful in a somber kind of way. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because the dwarves, like, so much of that, I mean, they call it the Great Hall, and, 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 you know, Gimli's really proud, obviously, and that seems to be a dwarf characteristic. Like, as you said earlier, sort of the joke, he kind of yells at all the orcs and goblins, and they back up and, you know, start to go away, and, and he thinks it's him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because he's so proud, and it was it was a strange mix. I just, you have dwarves in a Great Hall. I was wondering, are they trying to make up for other insufficiencies <laughs> <laughs> but dwarves are just so proud they have so much so much racial pride right mm-hmm. <laughs> and moria was like the crown jewel of their empire at the time so yeah. it i mean you want to you want to make it look pretty because you're having all these emissaries from the other races um there's probably business dealings and stuff so yeah. you want to show off it's kind of like a show of power on your home turf, too, right. if you're sharing it with the elves. It's interesting to think about it in that way, too, because it seems like architecturally and the way that things are put together, that the doorway that the Fellowship leaves out of after we get past the bridge mm-hmm. is much less decorative than this whole section. Right. So it's like that's the section they built first when it was like the dwarves on their side of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And then when they get to the other side of the mountain is when they make the deal with the elves who live in the king, the elven kingdom of Holland on the west side of the of the the misty mountains so that side is where all the prettier stuff is because that's where the elves come in through the most yeah you're trying to impress them yeah wow so like that tracks yeah with the way that moria is kind of put together that whole idea that's what i'm getting up there nice 
I love it when things make sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's almost like Tolkien thought an absurdly amount absurd amount about all this. It's like, he, it's like he was writing this for like 40 years right. before it actually was a book. Well, I mean, Gimli's really excited to go to the Mines of Moria. He originally yeah. suggests it, and he's like, you know, listen, my cousin's there. He's going to hook us up. Red mm. meat off the bone. Yes. <laughs> right. I, love, I love his description of a, of a party. Of a <laughs> <laughs> right. That's horrible. It's horrible, and he shows up, and everybody, everybody's dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Buzz cool. That's, it's like that would be played for complete laughs in like a dark comedy kind of movie. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, like it looks like they died like, I don't know, maybe 200 years ago. <laughs> like, how long is it since you've seen your cousin, Gimli? <laughs> like, at most, it's like 15 years. Yeah, I would say so. Maybe 20. Is that is that what it is? All right. Um, it's It's difficult to track because... There is a span of 17 years in the book that doesn't happen in the movie. So I would assume it's between like 20 and 30 years. It's been 20 or 30 years since Gimli last saw Balin before they went to go check out Moria. Yeah. Hmm. Well, enough for know. everybody to rot and. Yeah, I don't know about like. Tomes get all cobwebby. Maybe, maybe they're all skeletons because <laughs> the orcs ate all the flesh. Ew, that's so yeah, that's. Yeah, it could be. Hey, well, if you think about it, if you're in a mine, there's a lot of moisture. Yeah. A lot of bacteria. Gross. Yeah, it could be sick. <laughs> Red meat off the bone. No. <laughs> oh man, I think uh, I think we've gotten through yeah. all the stuff in this minute. <laughs> um, did you guys have anything else? Um, I mean, Jerry I... said he had one note. Right. Oh yeah, that's it. He's he's tapped. No, I had one. I'm tapped. <laughs> Can I tell I'll, a quick I'll... story about the ver about the very end of the movie? Is that cheating? No, that's fine. Yeah, that's because okay. I saw this opening night when it came out, and the place was packed, mm -hmm. and uh, you know everybody's going nuts. Everyone's all crazy, and we're all loving it. It's an awesome movie, and everything. And at the very end, you know, like Sam and Frodo are together, and like I'm, I'm glad you're with me, Sam. You know, and they and they go off, and they start walking down the hills, and fades to black, and it's to be continued. And way in the back of the theater, you hear what? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that was incredible. Like, wow, that one guy had no idea oh what he was seeing, what he was in for. He thought That's it was going to be like a 13-hour movie. Exactly. Yeah. It was getting good. I can't imagine, like, watching this movie and as it gets, uh, once you hit the two-hour mark, thinking that it's going to just, like, wrap Keep up. Keep going, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. But it also is a roller coaster to the, to the mountain. Right. It's also a movie with a subtitle. It's like Lord of the Rings. The Fellowship of the Ring. Yeah, that right. That implies it's part of a grander story. Yeah. yeah. It didn't say Lord of the Rings, the whole thing. <laughs> right, period. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'd like to say that Lord of the Rings, this movie, well, Lord of the Rings is, it's one of my all-time favorite movies ever. Like, yep. period, ever. Pete, our co-host on... Uh... Indiana Jones Minute actually does not believe this. He does, I, I've witnessed it. I know that it's true that Jer went insane for this movie. But yeah. Pete like is like, oh, are you guys serious? Wait, you, what? Like he just doesn't get. You know, it doesn't track for him at all that 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 Jer loves this movie so much. <laughs> and it was kind of surprising. You like you, it was like you had seen Star Wars for the first time or something. You're like, have you seen? Did you see Fellowship of the Ring? Oh my <laughs> god! Oh, he's on top of the tower and there's a moth and he whispers to it. Oh my god! <laughs> you couldn't believe it. 
<laughs> it, it blew my mind. It it just all of it. Like it's well acted. It's well written. It, I mean, how it's shot, the cinematography, all the effects. Like I bought it hook, line, and sinker. Done mm-hmm. over one of the greatest movies ever. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, jumping off of that, if you um, if you guys were interested in coming back, what would be the moment or specific scene? Um, that you would most want to talk about out of um, all three movies. Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. (laughs) I'll say this. My favorite scene in the entire trilogy is when it's, it's a few minutes before this, and it's when Frodo says, I wish the ring had never come to me. (laughs) Yeah. And that's just like one of my favorite scenes, period. Yeah. The well, music the, is amazing. Um, it, I just love that. It's it's it almost like changes your life. Move for me. Well, I know I'm getting all heavy. Because <laughs> it's those characters like explaining what the central kind of like moral and theme of this whole story right. is. Mm-hmm. But it's it's not heavy handed at all. It's so well done. Yeah, it is. It's really well done. And yeah, Gandalf's really well response. Acted. He says, "So, uh, so do all who live to see such times." Right. And you realize, I mean, everybody has a journey. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's yeah. just that's just that's it. Everybody has a journey, and it you know, I mean, that's what's so inspiring, I guess, for me about the movie is whether or not you accept it, or even if it, yeah, yeah, just like. You know, it's a dangerous thing to walk out one's front door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, but I just love that. Yeah, it's easy to to think, but like, that comes up in your own mind, like, constantly, like, in life, whenever things aren't going well or something, or right. you're like, oh, it's like, it's kind of like Gandalf said. People, <laughs> <laughs> everybody wishes they didn't have to go through these things when they're, when, when they're faced with them. Right. Well, and the, the point is to leave the Shire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, is it not? That's, I mean, I don't know. It's a great question. I mean, some people don't ever leave the Shire and maybe, and they're content and there's a certain safety and satisfaction and maybe bliss in that. Mm -hmm. But if you leave the Shire, I mean, you're, I always feel like we're, you're kind of supposed to leave the Shire. Right. If I had to answer that question though, about like a favorite moment, I don't know if this is my absolute favorite moment, but one thing that I always love and I always wait for it when it, when it, when I'm watching it again is in the two towers when they're at uh, Helm's Deep and there's that one almost like Olympic uh, style runner with the torch <laughs> who goes and ignites the gunpowder and yes. it explodes and they don't make a huge deal of, I mean, it's a huge explosion, but they don't, they don't dwell on this moment for very long, but there's a like maybe like half a second where everyone at Helm's Deep is like, what just happened? What was that? What was that? That was like a huge, like they probably, maybe they didn't have a word for explosion or something. Like what just happened? Oh my God. That wasn't they an like, arrow. Oh my they God. stack up like 10 of these like big bombs and then the guy yeah. runs in with the Olympic torch. Right. And nothing will... can bring this guy down. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I will literally come back for every single minute okay. <laughs> the rest of the, however the, the other of every other lord of the rings movie they're just our third co-host now it's cool. yes. <laughs> i'm glad this worked out this is i mean this is my journey right yeah <laughs> i walked out my front door by saying i'd be on the podcast yeah. <laughs> and here we are no yeah. i would i would love to come on for for any minute uh, of any of the movies okay sweet 
That's well, awesome. thank you guys for uh, joining us today. Oh, totally. I'm sad, I'm sad we don't have like a whole week with you guys. We will definitely be in touch with you guys uh, for the future. Oh, very cool. Um, I know yeah. the movies just get longer. There's plenty of moments. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Where are you going to fit us in? I don't know if there's going to be enough room. I don't know. I just, you know, I'll pencil you in and <laughs> see if it works out. Yeah. Um, well, th thank you for having having us. Yeah. It was a pleasure. So if you enjoyed um, Tom and Jerry, <laughs> uh, <laughs> if you We're enjoyed Tom and Jerry, um, where can uh, our listeners find you guys? Well, you can find us at the Indiana Jones Minute, uh, indianajonesminute.com. And we're on Facebook with our group, the uh, Indiana Jones Minute and the Listener's Crusade. <laughs> uh, we're on Twitter at uh, Indiana Jones Min. And, uh, you know, you can su 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 uh, subscribe to us wherever you find your, your free podcasts. Awesome. Um, and we are from the website duelinggenre.com. Uh, you can check out some of the other stuff on Dueling Genres, such as The Doctor's Companion, our Doctor Who podcast, and Geek by Night, our fictional audio drama podcast. Um, thank you guys so much once again. It was awesome. Thank and, you. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was a great special, time. Special thanks to our Patreon associate producers, Leaper182 and Ed Foster. I hope you guys have a good Tuesday, and we'll be back tomorrow. Bye. 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 Bye.